How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. And hello, my dear friends, and welcome to the Hurricane Hotline on a Tuesday night. On the eve of Miami and Florida State, we'll have that one for you tomorrow night. Tip-off is at 8.30, a late start, 8.30 start. We'll be on the air at 8 o'clock. We do have a, a time change for Monday's game. On Monday night, March the 1st, the Canes will play at Virginia, and that will be a 6 p.m. tip-off, so a little bit of drive-time action for you. Saturday, 2 o'clock, against Clemson. Coming up here on the Hurricane Hotline, University of Miami Associate Head Coach Chris Caputo will join us. He'll pinch hit for Coach L tonight. Amari Carter returns to the University of Miami Secondary. Amari joins us at about 6.40 this evening. Daniel Fetterman is the Hurricanes' Friday night starter. Uh, pitched a nice game against the Gators this past weekend. And uh, Daniel Fetterman joins us at 7 o'clock. Katie Meyer with us at 7.25. And Gino Damari, fresh off the Hurricanes' Winning a series against the Gator will join us at 7.40. The Canes have uh, gone up the polls. In one poll, they're number one in the country, so they are ranked extremely high in all of the polls. Gino Damari joins us. The uh, Canes will have their home opener on Friday night against Virginia Tech. The conference season begins. Uh, Virginia Tech won their first two games. They are 2-0. and They play tonight. And uh, Miami will play Virginia Tech Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Gino Damari joins us later on in the show tonight to talk about the Canes' big series win over the Florida Gators. Right now, joining us from the Hurricanes coaching staff is Chris Caputo. Chris, thanks for joining us. Got a big one tomorrow against Florida State. Good evening to you. How are you doing? Hi, Joe. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Uh, okay, so when we last left you on Saturday, it was a tough day at the office against Georgia Tech. Well, uh, your team was pretty much down to you and me playing against Georgia Tech. <laughs> you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, that's frustrating. And, and uh, I might mention that, you know, the reason why I'm on tonight and not coach is uh, coach had a, uh, a scheduled uh, a dinner at his house with uh, uh, socially distant, of course. And, 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 you know, obviously we're getting tested all the time, but uh, coach is having uh, Harlan, uh, and Earl uh, over, over at the house. And, and, you know, for those two guys in particular, you know, young players who are uh, both injured, and uh, it's got to be difficult, you know, and I, I feel that way for a number of our guys that 
you know, you're, you want to compete. You're here to play at the highest level of college basketball. I think there was a, a strong expectation um, in the summer leading up to the season that we were going to you know, have a really good year. We, we, we know what that looks like in the ACC uh, from our experience here. And, and even after, uh, you know, our third game beating Purdue without Chris Likes, who's first team all league and without Earl, who obviously was a highly regarded player projected to be a first round pick. Uh, you know, you're feeling like, Hey, we, we've got some momentum right now for the first time in a while. And, uh, you know, with those guys being hurt, I think, you know, it's important that coach, uh, you know, spend some time with them and, and makes them understand that it's, you know, we, we're here for them in, in place of their parents, uh, you know, while they're away from home. And, uh, you know, I think that's what makes him so unique. So that's why I'm on tonight. Um, <laughs> but, but certainly, uh, you know, it's frustrating because we know uh, that, that we're, we, that, that's probably our worst game, you know, obviously Georgia Tech. Uh, credit them for, for the way they played. Uh, but we've been very, very competitive in, in a very difficult circumstance. Uh, go back to Earl for just a moment. He, he comes in as a very high recruit, as you mentioned. And so now going forward, what does what his future look like? He was injured, so there's not going to be a lot on him in terms of what he was able to accomplish this year at the college level. Uh, potential for the pros, does he come back? Uh, is it too early for those discussions? What, what are, where is he at mentally? Well, I think in Earl's case, um, you know, we can all imagine, you know, how difficult it is to have really worked very, very hard uh, as a young basketball player uh, to get to the point where, you know, not only are you at the University of Miami and the ACC and uh, a highly regarded uh, prospect uh, to the point where, you know, not that it means everything, uh, but certainly is an expectation that you could potentially be uh, an NBA player in the near future as you start your journey in college. Uh, you know, we've had a number of guys who have been in that, in that position. And so um, the, the, not just the physical uh, aspect of the injury uh, that, that he's, you know, certainly gotten a lot of attention from uh, a number of different doctors on, uh, but, but the mental part of it for him. And I think now Earl is in, is in a better place there uh, mentally. And, uh, you know, we just, feel terrible for him because you, you, you know, uh, the thing you want to do most in the world is compete and you can't do that. You know, physically your body's not allowing that. I think going forward for him, you know, is, you know, a step-by-step process, uh, um, of just, you know, really getting, getting healthy first, evaluating that and, and how to best go about that. And then obviously, you know, decisions can be made, uh, thereafter, but, uh, I think for him, he's in a pretty good place because there's a, a plan as to how to, uh, you know, possibly treat his issue. And, um, you know, obviously with him being at coach's house tonight and being back around our program, um, you know, every day at practice, every day in the training room, every day with our guys, you know, he's very much a, a member of our program and, and it's great to have him uh, here with us. It's unfortunate we, we, we didn't get to really see um you know, the real Earl Timberlake as a player this year, unfortunately, you know, he, he, he fought to try to play and uh, we give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, but ultimately the, I think the best thing was for him to, you know, sit out and get control of the injury to figure out exactly what it was for the long-term future. 
In college football, if a guy is thinking about going pro, they have the advisory committee so they can get some idea of where they stand if they want to go into the draft. How does that work in basketball? Is there yeah. a committee? Yeah, How does that work for yeah, basketball players? Yeah, there's an advisory committee as well. And then obviously in our sport, um, you know, given the timing of it, I mean, there's, there's certainly in the normal year opportunities for guys to, to, to you know, test the waters, as they say, you know, go, go work out for teams, uh, you know, actually be advised by agents and, um, you know, p- potentially even, uh, um, you know, go, go, go through a pre-draft process in some ways. But, you know, the unknown this year is certainly with COVID, what that's going to look like. Uh, really, uh, there was not much to that last year. And, uh, you know, there won't be, uh, there may be a little bit more, but maybe not much to it uh, this coming year. So I think the thing, Joe, that, you know, unfortunate for Earl is, look, if you play in the ACC and you've got 30 games under your belt, that's a ton of information, right? you know, for those teams. And a lot of times then in the pre-draft process, it's the interviews and the medical and things like that. Uh, but So it's a unique time for all of us in that sense. Uh, you know, both our – seniors that would have the opportunity to come back. Um, and then a guy like Earl who, you know, potentially uh, would have been thinking about, okay, you know, playing great to finish the season uh, into the postseason, and then get into the process of thinking about, you know, Hey, am I going to leave school and go early? And, and what does it look like for me? And what are those opportunities? But I, honestly, I think there's a lot of uncertainty because you don't know exactly when the draft will be. And, you know, I, I don't know that the draft will be in June this year uh, like it normally is obviously this past draft was i believe in october right so uh hard to know a lot of those things unfortunately in this in this world that we're living in today uh, we mentioned the georgia tech game was a tough day at the office uh, when, when when did that one get away from you it's it probably a, <laughs> probably a pretty simple answer right, almost a right, tip off, right, right away yeah, yeah yeah i mean again and i and i i think i joked on the radio uh wasn't necessarily uh a joke, but you know, they're number one in the league in turning people over. Uh, when you have your starting point guard and Chris likes your backup point guard, Ronald Beverly, you're a guy in Earl who really, we thought would play some point this year. Uh, and obviously he's shown to be a very willing passer. Like those three guys are out and you're down to six guys. And three of those guys are front court players. Um, you know, ultimately you start to run out of, great options in terms of what to do if, and when you know you're playing a team that is a team that is going to turn people over, um, you know, you hope that the number one priority that you try to stress and the thing that you try to do the most is take care of the ball. But, you know, for us, it was, that was going to be very difficult in the circumstance. And, you know, while we prepared to do that, obviously, uh, you know, again, without your starting point guard, your backup point guard, and probably another guy who's your, next best secondary ball handler uh, was going to be difficult for us. Yeah, there's not a lot to uh, dissect in, in that game or uh, really go over the autopsy. Uh, they, they were good from start to finish. Let me ask you this. We went down this road a little bit uh, talking about Earl and, and his future. Chris has not played all year. And we, you and I have talked about this a little bit. And I've also discussed it some of the coach L, but then I dove into it a little bit more. 
Now, if you look at where, where Chris is career-wise, it's actually quite remarkable. He started the season as the 24th all-time leading scorer with the University of Miami. If he put together a great year, which would have to be now next year, a 500-point year, that vaults him over a lot of guys, Chris, puts him in a position where he'd be with names like you know, Tim James and Darius Rice and Don Kernut, maybe, probably, probably could not, maybe would not get to Kernut, but somewhere around between Darius Rice, Duran Scott, Dennis Burns, Jack McClinton, those are modern day names that carry a pretty good legacy at the University of Miami. Does that resonate at all with a player like Chris or players today, what their legacy can be? And how important that would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it does. You know, I, mean, I always think that legacies, Joe, are 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 left with you, with success. You know, with winning. And um, I, I think we're very proud of of what we were able to accomplish in the first seven years uh, of us being here. Uh, and and quite frankly, I think we're proud of you know what we've been able to do in terms of handling the adversity that was thrown at us. Um, and we were very optimistic that this year, you know, Chris in particular was going to have a great year because I think for the first time in, in two years, uh, not his freshman year, obviously, but in two years he was going to have uh, the opportunity to, to be a really good player, but also not have to take on so much uh, because he was going to have help uh, both with our veteran backcourt uh, of, of Cam and, and Isaiah and Harlan, and obviously got to the point where Elijah uh, becomes eligible, uh, but also Earl and, and Earl's ability to uh, uh, to do a number of different things on the court, and then and then a, a more solidified older front court to go along with him, you know, in terms of Nasir becoming uh, eligible and Sam being in his fifth year uh, and Rodney being his fifth year and Dang being in his fourth year. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Anthony Walker um, uh, being in a situation where he, 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 he had got some experience. So, you know, I think in a lot of ways for Chris, it's unfair because this was a year where he was going to be able to do, uh, while he would be able to have an all-conference year, I don't think he was going to have to shoulder so much. And, um, and again, unfortunately, you know, we only saw two games of that. And uh, so... You know, your legacy to me is you got to leave places better than you found them. And uh, I think Chris was on, uh, on uh, in a position to do that and, and be really the guy that, you know, saw the, you know, kind of bookended the beginning uh, of his career where we were, you know, top four seed, NCAA tournament uh, team. And, and uh, you know, Bruce gets hurt. Otherwise, you know, who knows what happens to us in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we lose to Loyola at the buzzer and, and they go to the final four. Um, but now, and then the back end of this is, is he's the guy that sort of leads us out of the difficult, uh, circumstances that we were in. And again, it, you know, I think everyone's disappointed and hadn't actually, you know, worked out that way, but it certainly wasn't because guys didn't compete or try or, uh, you know, it's really been injury uh, and really, you know, injury, uh, injuries that have piled up. Yeah, I don't think his his final chapter is written. I I understand he has professional aspirations, as they all do. Chris is going to have some challenges, but he's had those his entire life. It would be a remarkable, be a great story if he was able to put together a career at the UM where he was inside the top 
five or ten of all-time leading scorers. He'd move his name into consideration for one of those jerseys yep. hanging from the Raptors. And I think that would be uh, something that would be very much worthwhile in a person's life. But that's a decision he'll have to make. Yeah, well, certainly those are all personal decisions. Everybody's got to, you know, sort of do what's best for them. But, you know, I think I think for us, um, there certainly is a lot of motivation uh, from everybody coming into the season, you know, to sort of restore our place amongst the better teams in the ACC because, I mean, quite frankly, that's where we were. We looked at it today, you know, from the time we got here to 2018, we were top four in the league in wins. You know, obviously we've talked a lot about, you know, the 15 to 18 season where only Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Miami have won 10 games in the league four years in a row. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, no, no, no doing of our own. Uh, we get put in this circumstance, and I think this year's group was very, very motivated to get us back. So I'm not sure if we'll get a chance to, to, to do that again with this group, but certainly that's what we're looking to do uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, I have a feeling your offseason is going to be really interesting, but we'll talk about uh, how you approach that when we come back. Plus, Florida State is coming up, and we'll also look around the ACC as well as we continue on the Hurricane Hotline. All right, welcome back to the show. Still to come on the Hurricane Hotline, Amari Carter will join us. We'll talk about him coming back for another year. Daniel Fetterman, Miami's Friday night starter. Canes will play Virginia Tech on Friday night at Mark Light Stadium, the, the beginning of uh, the ACC season, opening night as well. Katie Meyer will be with us. And also Gino Damari, the Canes baseball team, took the series against the Florida Gators. A big, big series win for Gino. Head coach Chris Caputo is with us right now. Florida State is up next. Chris, Florida State has won eight of nine. Where do you start with the Seminoles? They come at you in waves. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, it's uh, a team that's, you know, very typical of, of what they've been the last few years, you know, playing a lot of guys. Um, you know, I think the, the their ability to, their spurt ability, you know, their ability in transition to, you know, get going, uh, whether it be off a steal, off a make, off a miss, you know, they're playing uh, very efficiently in the open court. You know, that allows them to, you know, kind of get going, and, and it seems like they ratchet up their intensity off that. Um, defensively, you know, they've done a really good job of protecting the rim, uh, and, and so it's difficult to, to score inside on them. They're a little different in terms of, you know, maybe not necessarily the same type of speed on the perimeter, uh, but they're really converging to the ball when it gets in the paint. You've got to make great decisions once you get in there. Uh, because they are blocking shots and affecting shots at the rim. Uh, and then offensively, you know, uh, a lot of different weapons, uh, but in particular, you know, shooting the three, when they shoot the three well, they're very difficult to play against. They play a lot of guys. Does it work because the players are buying into it? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I think... You know, it works because the players are buying into it, and you get a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's a very highly regarded guy, to come off the bench. I mean, obviously that sets the tone. Uh, they had Patrick Williams do that last year. Um, so I think that's a that's a big part of it. Um, now, obviously, they have talented players. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So uh, when, when you can, uh, you know, I think it, when you're having success, you get easier buy-in uh, from the guys. But it's also kind of like what goes – 
first the chicken or the egg, right? By by getting the buy-in, you have the success, and and, and sort of vice versa as well. They're all they're they are also an older team. They have guys that are 22, 23 years old. MJ Walker is twenty three years old. Uh, mm-hmm. The guys in the backcourt are in their twenties. How how is that helping them as well? Well, it always helps, you know, when you have you know talented young guys. Obviously, like like Scotty Barnes, it's great. But you know, college basketball is one uh, with older guys. There's no doubt about that. Uh, for the most part, uh, we have older guys. They're all hurt, <laughs> but but uh, um, not all of them. I should say, you know, we we do actually, uh, you know, we have some of our, our our older guys are not hurt. So that that is a good thing for us. Um, but yeah, the, the veteran. You know, that's the biggest thing in college basketball, again, is the veteran leadership, uh, guys who have been hardened by their experiences, um, a, a physical, emotional, uh, mental maturity uh, that comes with being a, a young adult at 22 years old or 23 years old. I think all of us can look back and think about what we were like at 18 entering college or 19 and then think about what we were like at 23. We're different people. And uh, that 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 holds true in college basketball as well. I bring up the amount of guys they're playing, and does it work? And it's hard, I know, to comment on another guy's team. But when you have that much talent, sometimes guys aren't happy if they're not getting their minutes. Scotty Barnes is a McDonald's All-American, as you mentioned, coming off the bench. But uh, and so I think sometimes if you play a team like that, you, maybe you can find a way or find a way to to crack their code because they're not all happy. But this this group of guys for Leonard, they seem to be playing with a bit of joy or a lot of joy and uh, a lot of joy despite maybe their their minutes being limited. Well, again, certainly I think when things are going well, it's it's easier to uh, to have guys, you know, play with that type of joy and, and, and you can kind of hold them accountable to it. And uh, they certainly are having a lot of success. So, um, you know, you got to give them credit for that. Uh, as you look at it, what will be? Uh, I imagine you're going to have uh, what seven players, right? Are we thinking seven players? <laughs> um, we down to seven. Well, no, we got six scholarship players available. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then obviously we have walk-ons that, that would make it uh, seven or eight. Yes. Right, so we got, we <laughs> got Walker Wong, uh, Walker Wong Brooks. Olani, Magusti, and Gak. So we got six. Yep, six. Yep. Six, six. Six to go. Uh, so, undermanned against a team that's won eight out of nine. How do you go into this game? What What is the approach going into this game? Well, I, you know, I think we got to, obviously, we've got to match their effort and intensity, uh, which is hard to do with six guys. Um, but and we've got to take care of the ball. Uh, we've got to pack the paint. Uh, you know, we've had some success against them, uh, you know, last, this time last year, I mean, obviously we, uh, at our place had a chance to win the game late goes to overtime. Um, so, you know, we've got to play with confidence. We've got to play, uh, together in terms of being very, very connected, um, high level of communication, um, making sure we're getting back to set our defense, trying to make the game, a game that's played more in the half court than in the full court. Um, and, and again, with our group, you know, Joe, obviously the, the Georgia Tech game is, uh, I don't think that's really reflective of what we've been like. You know, if you think about the the four games prior to that, um, 
you know, we, we lose at Notre Dame, but we got a layup, point blank layup uh, with about six minutes to go to take the lead on the road against a, a Notre Dame team that plays very, very well on their home court. Um, you know, I, I believe we beat Virginia Tech. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, you know, we did everything in that game to win the game uh, and, and, and they had a guy step out of bounds and they don't call it. And so, you know, that that's a top 20 team. We have Duke. Obviously, we beat them. We we see how well they're playing now. And then even at Wake Forest, I believe we're down to uh, six scholarship players in that game. And um, and I thought competed very hard. And so, you know, I don't, going back earlier this season to, to the one-point losses, uh, a couple of good wins against Louisville, against NC State, like we've been competitive all year long, and, that, and that's what we've got to be able to do, you know, and then hope that we can – uh, take care of the ball, uh, you know, make some free throws uh, and get a, a key stop or two in a close game. And that's sort of been the difference in, in our in our wins. And, uh, you know, it sounds simple, but, you know, that's all you can do when you've got six guys. You've got to be able to keep it uh, close enough uh, to, to where, you know, maybe the game comes down to one or two possessions and, and you can get it to go your way. We had a chance uh, on the University of Miami podcast, Behind the U, to speak with Bruce Brown, who's playing really well for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yeah. he's, surrounded, he's surrounded by a bunch of stars. It's probably not surprising to you that if anybody could handle that situation, it would be Bruce Brown. Yeah, well, Bruce is just, you know, he's such a tough guy. Uh, but that balance of being a tough guy and having great self-awareness, having great humility – um, he, he's so well balanced as a person, in my opinion. Uh, he knows who he is. He works extremely hard. He, he's got a high level of confidence uh, and a and a a strong ego, but not a big ego. Where uh, he's clueless about what you know what his gifts are, and so you know for him, he's the perfect guy for that team. I think in terms of you know no, his ego's in check. Uh, but he's also a high, high-level competitor, uh, unselfish player, a guy who will do all the dirty work. I think a guy that, you know, whether it be the coach or the star players, will love to have around and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. And, and not just the, the player he is, but the person he is. And I think he reflects a, a lot of what we would want here at the University of Miami and, um, you know, very, very proud to have coached him and, and been a part of his journey. You know, he's such an honest guy, and that's what he said about you guys, that your honesty is what brought him to the University of Miami. He's such an honest guy. I asked him about, well, who who is somebody that's really tough for you to defend? You're considered a really good defender. And he said, you know, Jimmy Butler came into the game. I first went up against Jimmy Butler, and he posted me up and just kind of pushed me out of the way. And I couldn't believe how strong he was. His strength, he, was, he, he talked about the physicality of Jimmy Butler, that it was extremely hard for him to handle. Well, I mean, you think about how strong Bruce is, and, uh, you know, Jimmy obviously is, uh, is like on another level, obviously a grown man. Uh, but, you know, Bruce is uh, – he, he, what he does is, you know, he just competes on every possession, and it's not that he's perfect or anything like that. But you know, you have a you have a guy you can count on every single day uh, to compete on every possession. That gives you a chance in every game if if that guy's talented enough. And that that's a lot of the things that you try to teach young players. I think if you look at our group, Joe, you know, our our, our sophomore class, obviously Harlan's dealing with injury, 
that's really been difficult. I mean, a back injury that he's played through. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to tell you he hasn't played well, but he, he's tried to play every single night with a back injury that most people would have a hard time walking with. Uh, but if you look at, you know, Isaiah Wong, I think has learned that, you know, trying to compete on every single possession on both ends of the floor will, 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 will yield some success. Uh, to you as a player, and ultimately, hopefully, to your team. I think Anthony Walker is t- taking some nice strides in that area. He's not, he's not there yet. I think again, he'd be the first to admit that. But I think the opportunity that those guys have had to play this many minutes, uh, you know, hopefully in the in the in the future will harden those guys. I think in Bruce's case, you know, he was a guy that had that when he got here, but most guys don't. And I think it's the same thing with the NBA. He, he he probably showed up at the NBA level with that, and it's what what's allowed him to play a lot of minutes early on. And and I think as you look at Lonnie as well, he, he's to the point now where he's gaining that opportunity in San Antonio as he's gotten healthy. And you know, hopefully, we had some uh, some part in that. Uh, yeah. By the way, Walk, uh, Anthony Walker, he's been in double figures in uh, six of the last seven games for you. So he's making progress. Bruce Brown talked about the development, uh, the, the way you guys helped him develop into an NBA player. He said the same, you did the same for Lonnie Walker and that Lonnie is about ready to explode in the NBA. He also said yep. uh, that it was so important to him and he did not realize it until obviously he got to the UM that he was surrounded by some really good veteran players like Kamari Murphy and Davon Reed and Jaquan Newton what an impact they had on his development and how they helped him. He comes in as the four- or five-star player, but those guys were bigger and stronger, kind of pushed him around a little bit, but also really made him a better player, and and that helped him get to the NBA as well because you had veteran players around him. Yeah, I think those guys had a lot of respect, you know, for for the older guys and and, uh, um, while they were here and and, – you know, unfortunately, COVID, I mean, you, usually those guys are all around this summer and it's great to have everybody in the gym together. And I actually think it would have helped our our group that's that's here now uh, to, to have been around each other, uh, but also the older group, uh, guys that would be here in the gym, whether it be Duran Scott or Shane Larkin or Kamari Murphy or Tanya or Bruce, Lonnie, what have you. Um, you know, we didn't get that this summer. And that's such a big part of what we do at Miami you know, we learned that very early on with our location where guys want to be here and, and the opportunity to, to get that exposure to uh, people who are doing what you want to do and, and, and maybe making a lot of money doing it uh, has really helped us. You know, I know, Joe, we've probably talked many times or you've talked with Coach many times about Chris Bosch, you know, and his impact on our team when he was in our gym, in our facility in the summer uh, of the lockout. And so, so unfortunately, we didn't get that this summer. You know, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed as we get more people vaccinated, maybe we'll get to the point where we have that again because uh, I think it's a big part of our success in the past. Yep. Uh, Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech says 10 or 11 teams in the ACC every year <laughs> should get to the ACC tournament. I'd rather should get to the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I think Josh is a great spokesperson, that's for sure. You know, he's got a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, obviously we've got a great league and, um, I, I've said this over and over, but like our league is always younger because we have more guys go to the NBA. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's a reason why you see a Duke 
maybe struggle to find its footing early on uh, because, you know, obviously they're doing with a lot of young guys and now they're playing great. I think Carolina is probably a little bit in the same boat, uh, a team that was struggling a little bit early on, starting to find their, their footing. Uh, you know, in our case, I think we were an NCAA tournament team. I really do believe that. Um, you know, and these injuries have put us in a very, very rough position. Uh, but, you know, when you start adding up the teams that are in, maybe a team or two that comes on late in the season where their resume has uh, been hurt by a couple of early losses, but the reality is, is you know, many times they're playing with, you know, 18-, 19-year-old guys in November. They're, those players are different as you get to, you know, February, March. Uh, so, we've got a great league. There's no doubt about it. I think anytime, you know, we, you know, we play in the big 10 challenge or, you know, you get to postseason play uh, our league normally uh, performs very well. And, you know, there could be a year or two where that's not necessarily the case, but uh, I think overall, when you look uh, at the grand scheme of this, you know, the most pros, uh, the most national championships uh, and, and, and we've certainly, held our own when we we play against other leagues in in tournament play or or the challenge. One more thing before I let you go. And in your business, you always have to look ahead. So you're always looking ahead to uh, recruiting or transfer portal or re-recruiting your own guys. But you always have to look Mm -hmm. ahead. And it it just popped into my mind with COVID and everything that's been going on. How much time have you been able to, the coaching staff, dedicated to looking ahead to next year's schedule and trying to put together a non-conference schedule and what that might look like. Uh, has there been any thought to that? Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're, st- we're sort of, you know, Adam Fisher handles that for us. You know, we're sort of working that process now. Um, you know, quite honestly, Joe, I mean, our, our team uh, could have a very familiar look to it obviously with with the the rule uh, where guys can come back and and sort of redo the year over. Uh, And and then we could also have a very different look to it depending on, you know, some of the decisions that get made. And so, you know, I don't think you, you you do obviously have to start to schedule games and really look at those things, but you also, you have to have a sense of what your team is going to look like. Uh, And go ahead. I was going to say along those lines, is there a month deadline in the offseason. No, no I, I think that at some point, you know, there will, there will be a, you know, some conversations to, as to sort of like, okay, where are you at? Uh, hey, can we help you get some information? Uh, how long will it take to get that information? What does the landscape look like? And then, okay, can we, uh, we get a sense that things are moving a certain way? Or, hey, if, if we're really up in the air, like, let, let's figure out, you know, at what point do we now have all the information and we can go ahead and, and, and make a decision so that, it, you know, obviously it, it's what's in the best interest of the student-athlete and his future, uh, but also keeping our program in mind as well. And our our case is so unique, Joe, because we have so many uh, older guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's very different than, uh, you know, maybe if you had one senior that was making that decision. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, a lot of work to be done there. But uh, first thing first, that's uh, Florida State tomorrow. Uh, big rivalry game, as it always is, 8.30 tip-off. I'll wave to you from the suite. And uh, the very best of luck against the Seminoles. Thanks for joining us. You did an outstanding job pinch-hitting for Coach. Appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much.
Okay, Chris. Associate Head Coach Chris Caputo with us. Still to come, Amari Carter joins us next. We'll talk about why he decided to return to the University of Miami. Daniel Fetterman will will be with us. Also, Katie Meyer and Gino Damari as the Hurricanes have moved up to number one in uh, some of the baseball polls uh, after taking a weekend series against the Florida Gators. Miami Rose in all of the polls after taking the opening opening weekend series at then number one Florida, reaching as high as number one in the collegiate baseball top 30. Hurricanes jumped up two spots to number one in D1 baseball top 25 and moved up two spots to number three by Baseball America. So Canes are on the rise. Gino joins us in hour number two. Hotline continues right after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Still to come on the Hurricane Hotline, Amari Carter will join us. We'll talk about him coming back for another year. Daniel Fetterman, Miami's Friday night starter. Canes will play Virginia Tech on Friday night at Mark Light Stadium, the the beginning of uh, the ACC season, opening night as well. Katie Meyer will be with us, and also Gino Damari, the Canes baseball team, took the series against the Florida Gators. A big, big series win for Gino. Head coach Chris Caputo is with us right now. Florida State is up next. Chris, Florida State has won eight of nine. Where do you start with the Seminoles? They come at you in waves. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, it's uh, a team that's, you know, very typical of, of what they've been the last few years, you know, playing a lot of guys. Um, you know, I think the their ability to their spurt ability, you know, their ability in transition to, you know, get going, uh, whether it be off a steal, off a make, off a miss, you know, they're playing uh, very efficiently in the open court. You know, that allows them to, you know, kind of get going. And, and it seems like they ratchet up their intensity off that. Um, defensively, you know, they've done a really good job of protecting the rim. Uh, and, and so it's difficult to, to score inside on them. They're a little different in terms of you know, maybe not necessarily the same type of speed on the perimeter, uh, but they're really converging to the ball when it gets in the paint. You've got to make great decisions once you get in there uh, because they are blocking shots and affecting shots at the rim. Uh, and then offensively, you know, uh, a lot of different weapons, uh, but in particular, you know, shooting the three, when they shoot the three well, they're very difficult to play against. They play a lot of guys. Does it work because the players are buying into it? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it works because the players are buying into it, and you get a guy like Scotty Bonds, who's a very highly regarded guy to come off the bench. I mean, obviously that sets the tone. Uh, they had Patrick Williams do that last year. Um, so I think that's a that's a big part of it. Um, now obviously they have talented players. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, when, when you can, uh, you know, I think it, when you're having success, you get easier buy-in, uh, from the guys, but it's also kind of like what goes first, the chicken or the egg, right? By, by getting the buy-in, you have the success and, and, and sort of vice versa as well. They are all, they are, they are also an older team. They have guys that are 22, 23 years old. MJ Walker is 23 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. The guys in the backcourt are in their twenties. How how is that helping them as well? Well, it always helps. You know, when you have you know talented young guys, obviously like like Scotty Barnes, it's great. But with, you know, college basketball is one uh, with older guys. There's no doubt about that uh, for the most part. 
uh, we have older guys, they're all hurt, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, not all of them, I should say, you know, we, we do actually, uh, you know, we have some of our, our, our older guys are not hurt. So that, that is a good thing for us. Um, but yeah, the, the veteran, you know, that's the biggest thing in college basketball again, is the veteran leadership, uh, guys who have been hardened by their experiences, um, uh, a physical, emotional, uh, mental maturity uh, that comes with being a, a young adult at 22 years old or 23 years old. I think all of us can look back and think about what we were like at 18 entering college or 19 and then think about what we were like at 23. We're different people. And uh, that, that, that holds true in college basketball as well. I bring up the amount of guys they're playing and does it work, and it's hard, I know, to comment on another guy's team. But when you have that much talent, sometimes guys aren't happy if they're not getting their minutes. Scotty Barnes is a McDonald's All-American, as you mentioned, coming off the bench. But uh, And so I think sometimes if you play a team like that, you, maybe you can find a way or find a way to, to crack their code because they're not all happy. But this this group of guys for Leonard, they seem to be playing with a bit of joy or a lot of joy and uh, a lot of joy despite maybe their their minutes being limited. Well, again, certainly I think when things are going well, it's it's easier to uh, to have guys you know play with that type of joy and 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 you can kind of hold them accountable to it and. Uh, they certainly are having a lot of success. So, um, you know, you got to give them credit for that. Uh, as you look at it, what will be uh, – I imagine you're going to have, uh, what, seven players, right? Are we thinking seven players? <laughs> um, we down to seven? Well, no, we got six scholarship players available. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then obviously we have walk-ons that, that would make it uh, seven or eight. Yes. Right, so we got, we <laughs> got Walker, Wong. Uh, Walker, Wong, Brooks, Olani, Magusti, and Gak. So we got six. Yep, six. Yep. Six, six. Six to go. Uh, so, undermanned against a team that's won eight out of nine. How do you go into this game? What What is the approach going into this game? Well, I, you know, I think we got to, obviously, we've got to match their effort and intensity, uh, which is hard to do with six guys. Um, but and we've got to take care of the ball. Uh, we've got to pack the paint. Uh, you know, we've had some success against them. Uh, you know, last this time last year, I mean, obviously we, uh, at our place, had a chance to win the game late, goes to overtime. Um, so, you know, we've got to play with confidence. We've got to play uh, together in terms of being very, very connected, um, high level of communication, um, making sure we're getting back to set our defense, trying to make the game a game that's played more in the half court than in the full court. Um, and, and again, with our group, you know, Joe, obviously the, the Georgia Tech game is, uh, I don't think that's really reflective of what we've been like. You know, if you think about the, the four games prior to that, um, you know, we, we lose at Notre Dame, but we got a layup, point blank layup uh, with about six minutes to go to take the lead on the road against a, a Notre Dame team that plays very, very well on their home court. Um you know, I believe we beat Virginia Tech. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, you know, we did everything in that game to win the game, uh, and 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 they had a guy step out of bounds and they don't call it. And so, you know, that that's a top twenty team. We have Duke. Obviously, we beat them. We we see how well they're playing now. And then even at Wake Forest, I believe we're down to uh, six scholarship players in that game. And 
and I thought competed very hard. And so, you know, I don't going back earlier this season to to the one point losses, uh, a couple of good wins against Louisville against NC State, like we've been competitive all year long, and, that, and that's what we've got to be able to do, you know, and then hope that we can uh, take care of the ball, uh, you know, make some free throws, uh, and get a, a key stop or two in a close game, and that's sort of been the difference in, in our in our wins. And uh, you know, it sounds simple, but you know that's all you can do when you've got six guys. You've got to be able to keep it uh, close enough uh, to, to where, you know, maybe the game comes down to one or two possessions and, and you can get it to go your way. We had a chance uh, on the University of Miami podcast behind the U to speak with Bruce Brown, who's playing really well for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yep. He's surrounded He's surrounded by a bunch of stars. Does It's probably not surprising to you that if anybody could handle that situation, it would be Bruce Brown. Yeah, well, Bruce is just, you know, he's such a tough guy. Uh, but that balance of being a tough guy and having great self-awareness, having great humility, um, he, he's so well-balanced as a person, in my opinion. Uh, he knows who he is. He works extremely hard. He, he's got a high level of confidence uh, and a and a a strong ego, but not a big ego where, uh, he's clueless about what, you know, what his gifts are. And so, you know, for him, he's the perfect guy for that team. I think in terms of, you know, no, his ego's in check, uh, but he's also a high, high level competitor, uh, unselfish player, a guy who will do all the dirty work. I think a guy that, you know, whether it be the coach or the star players will love to have around, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him, and, and not just the, the player he is, but the person he is. And I think he reflects a, a lot of what we would want here at the University of Miami. And um, you know, very, very proud to have coached him and, and been a part of his journey. You know, he's such an honest guy, and that's what he said about you guys. That your honesty is what brought him to the University of Miami. He's such an honest guy. I asked him about, well, who who is somebody that's really tough for you to defend? you're considered a really good defender. And he said, you know, Jimmy Butler came into the game. I first went up against Jimmy Butler, and he posted me up and just kind of pushed me out of the way. And I couldn't believe how strong he was. His strength, he, was, <laughs> he, he talked about the physicality of Jimmy Butler that it was extremely hard for him to handle. Well, I mean, you think about how strong Bruce is, and, uh, you know, Jimmy obviously is, uh, is like on another level, obviously a grown man. Uh, but, you know, Bruce is uh, – he, he, what he does is, you know, he just competes on every possession, and it's not that he's perfect or anything like that. But you know, you have a you have a guy you can count on every single day uh, to compete on every possession. That gives you a chance in every game if if that guy's talented enough. And that that's a lot of the things that you try to teach young players. I think if you look at our group, Joe, you know, our our, our sophomore class, obviously Harlan's dealing with injury. Uh, that's really been difficult. I mean, a back injury that he's played through. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to tell you he hasn't played well, but he, he's tried to play every single night with a back injury that most people would have a hard time walking with. And, but if you look at, you know, Isaiah Wong, I think has learned that, you know, trying to compete on every single possession on both ends of the floor will, 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 will yield some success uh, to you as a player and ultimately hopefully to your team. I think Anthony Walker is t- taking some nice strides in that area. He's not, 
He's not there yet. I think, again, he'd be the first to admit that. But I think the opportunity that those guys have had to play this many minutes, uh, you know, hopefully in the, in, the, in the future will harden those guys. I think in Bruce's case, you know, he was a guy that had that when he got here. But most guys don't. And I think it's the same thing with the NBA. He, he, he probably showed up at the NBA level with that. And it's what, what's allowed him to play a lot of minutes early on. And, and I think as you look at Lonnie as well, he, he's to the point now where he's gaining that opportunity in San Antonio as he's gotten healthy. And you know, hopefully we had some, uh, some part in that. Uh, yeah, by the way, Walk, uh, Anthony Walker, he's been in double figures in uh, six of the last seven games for you. So he's making progress. Bruce Brown talked about the development, uh, the, the way you guys helped him develop into an NBA player. He said the same, you did the same for Lonnie Walker and that Lonnie is about ready to explode in the NBA. He also said yep. uh, that it was so important to him and he did not realize it until obviously he got to the UM that he was surrounded by some really good veteran players like Kamari Murphy and Davon Reed and Jaquan Newton. What an impact they had on his development and how they helped him. He comes in as the four or five star player, but those guys were bigger and stronger, kind of pushed him around a little bit, but also really made him a better player. And, and that helped him get to the NBA as well because you had veteran players around him. Yeah, I think those guys had a lot of respect, you know, for, for the older guys and, and uh, um, while they were here. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, COVID, I mean, you, usually those guys are all around this summer and it's great to have everybody in the gym together. And I actually think it would have helped our, our group that's, that's here now uh, to, to have been around each other, uh, but also the older group. Uh, guys that would be here in the gym, whether it be Duran Scott or Shane Larkin or Kamari Murphy or Tanya or Bruce Lonnie, what have you, um, you know, we didn't get that this summer. And that's such a big part of what we do at Miami. You know, we learned that very early on with our location where guys want to be here and, and the opportunity to get that exposure to uh, people who are doing what you want to do and, and, and maybe making a lot of money doing it. Uh, has really helped us. You know, I know, Joe, we've probably talked many times or you've talked with Coach many times about Chris Bosch, you know, and his impact on our team when he was in our gym, in our facility in the summer uh, of the lockout. And so, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get that this summer. You know, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed as we get more people vaccinated, maybe we'll get to the point where we have that again because uh, I think it's a big part of our success uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, Josh Pastor at Georgia Tech says, 10 or 11 teams in the ACC every year should get to the ACC tournament. I'd rather should get to the NCAA tournament. Well, I think Josh is a great spokesperson, that's for sure. You know, he's got a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, no, you know, obviously we've got a great league, and um, I've said this over and over, but, like, our league is always younger because we have more guys go to the NBA. And so – uh, you know, I, I think that's a reason why you see a Duke maybe struggle to find its footing early on uh, because, you know, obviously they're doing with a lot of young guys and now they're playing great. I think Carolina is probably a little bit in the same boat, uh, a team that was struggling a little bit early on, starting to find their, their footing. Uh, you know, in our case, I think we were an NCAA tournament team. I really do believe that, um, you know, and these injuries have put us in a very, very rough position. Uh, but, you know, when you start adding up the teams that are in, maybe a team or two that comes on late in the season where their resume has 
uh, been hurt by a couple of early losses. But the reality is, is you know, many times they're playing with you know eighteen, nineteen year old guys in November. They're, those players are different as you get to you know February, March. Uh, so we've got a great league. There's no doubt about it. I think anytime you know we you know we play in the Big Ten Challenge or you know you get to postseason play, uh, our league normally. Uh, performs very well and you know there could be a year or two where that's not necessarily the case but uh, I think overall when you look uh, at the grand scheme of this you know the most pros uh, the most national championships uh, and and we've certainly held our own when we we play against other leagues in in tournament play or, or the challenge. One more thing before I let you go and in your business you always have to look ahead so you're always looking ahead to uh, recruiting or transfer portal or re-recruiting your own guys, but you always have to look mm-hmm. ahead. And it just, it just popped into my mind with COVID and everything that's been going on. How much time have you been able to your, the coaching staff dedicated to looking ahead to next year's schedule and trying to put together a non-conference schedule and what that might look like? Uh, has there been any thought to that? Yeah, we're. we're um... We're st- we're sort of you know Adam Fisher handles that for us, you know we're sort of working that process now, um, you know quite honestly Joe I mean our our team uh, could have a very familiar look to it obviously yeah. with, with the the rule uh, where guys can come back and, and sort of redo the year over, uh, and, and then we could also have a very different look to it depending on you know, some of the decisions that get made. And so, you know, I don't think you, you, you do obviously have to start to schedule games and really look at those things, but you also can, you have to have a sense of what your team is going to look like. Is there, uh, is there, and go ahead. I was going to say, along those lines, is there a month deadline in the offseason? No, no I, I think that at some point, you know, there will, there will be, a, you know, some conversations to, as to sort of like, okay, where are you at? Uh, hey, can we help you get some information? Uh, how long will it take to get that information? What does the landscape look like? And then, okay, can we uh, we get a sense that things are moving a certain way? Or, hey, if if we're really up in the air, like let, let's figure out, you know, at what point do we now have all the information and we can go ahead and and, and make a decision so that it. You know, obviously, it's what's in the best interest of the student athlete and his future, uh, but also keeping our program in mind as well. And our our case is so unique, Joe, because we have so many uh, older guys. You know, yeah. uh, so it's it's very different than uh, you know maybe if you had one senior that was making that decision. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, a lot of work to be done there, but uh, first thing first, that's uh, Florida State tomorrow. Uh, big rivalry game, as it always is, 8.30 tip-off. I'll wave to you from the suite, and uh, the very best of luck against the Seminoles. Thanks for joining us. You did an outstanding job pinch-hitting for Coach. Appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much. Okay, Chris. Associate Head Coach Chris Caputo with us. Still to come, Amari Carter joins us next. We'll talk about why he decided to return to the University of Miami. Daniel Fetterman will, will be with us. Also, Katie Meyer and Gino Damari. As the Hurricanes have moved up to number one, in uh, some of the baseball polls uh, after taking a weekend series against the Florida Gators. Miami Rose in all of the polls after taking the opening opening weekend series at then number one Florida, reaching as high as number one in the collegiate baseball top 30. 
Hurricanes jumped up two spots to number one in D1 baseball top 25 and moved up two spots to number three by Baseball America. So Canes are on the rise. Gino joins us in hour number two. Hotline continues right after this. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.